uh, I was glad to be up here and be sharing. Dave said, do you want me to get up there and introduce you? And I said, no, it's my house. So um, just, um, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Glad you're a part of joining us. And um, David Woodham kicked us off last week and kind of shared the story of us from the beginning that we've been in the heart of God and how he has a story and we're woven into his story and we're woven into his story together to accomplish his purposes in the earth. And so I thought, wow, we've got new people. People don't really know me. And some of you may know me, but you don't know parts of my story. So I thought, well, since this is the story of us, I'm going to share a little bit about my story and who I am this morning. And so, so I am Karen Crystal Alrand Hosey Hale. And I want you to know that there is a story of emotional hurt and forgiveness behind, behind every single one of those names. And there is divorce, adoption, Drugs, alcohol, prison a couple of times, trauma, drama, high dysfunction, and some real-life cray-cray going on. So um, welcome to my family. Um, welcome to my life. So I am a daughter. I am a sister. I am an aunt. I am a wife. I am a friend. I am a pastor. And I am going to throw this in there. I am a prophet and I know that. And I want to assure you that behind every single one of those names has been plenty of opportunity for forgiveness. Um, I'm not here to present to you a magic formula for forgiveness because there isn't a magic formula. I'm here to present to you a person. It's forgiveness personified. It's forgiveness himself. It is Jesus. What I've learned in my own life is that emotional hurt comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. You know, we've got all kinds of different ones up here. Um, there is um, verbal abuse. There is physical abuse. There is sexual abuse. And um, it kind of starts off as we're little kids and um, I'm just going to use this as an example. And I love, Diane helped me do some of the props. And I love that this kind of looks like candy. So, um, but uh, how many of you have been in the grocery store or in Walmart and you've seen the little kid having the absolute meltdown in front of God and everyone around them because they cannot have candy at the register or they can't have the toy that they think is going to make their life all better? How many of you have been that mom? or the aunt, or the grandma, or the dad, you know, we've all seen it. Maybe you're me, and you've been the bystander, and you're going, I just want to help. I don't know what to do. What, how can I help them, you know? But emotional hurt comes at different ages and stages in life, and in every season of life, in every, lots of different circumstances. According to the CDC, I mentioned multiple different um, things of emotional hurt and abuse. According to the CDC, one in three women and one in four men have experienced sexual violence involving physical contact during their lifetime. So I opened up with my full name, Karen Crystal Allen Hosey Hale. 
And um, I want to share a little bit about my life. I was born here in Dothan. I am a Dothanite, and um, I lived here until I was about 12. But in my early age, um, my mom and dad divorced, and because of that divorce, as happens with all children, that, um, that occurs in, there is the things of rejection, abandonment. There's seeds that get planted into their life. There's fear, things that occur. And I was one of those kids. And because of that divorce, I was actually, um, it, was, it was hard for my parents, and um, I went to live with my grandparents. I'm actually adopted as well. And um, as you hear in my story, I'm not just adopted once, I've been adopted twice. And so um, that adoption was into the family of Jesus. And so um, that during that time um, of, a, of the divorce and the adoption, my grandmother went to prison for the first time. So y'all can just breathe easy. I didn't go to prison. Um, it's okay. Um, I did go. I went and visited, so, um, but I didn't go uh, and become incarcerated. So, But um, during that time, I actually went to live with uh, one of my relatives. I went to live with my aunt. And at that particular time, I was 11 years old, and I want y'all to kind of get a framework that at 11, I didn't look 11. I looked like I was about 16 to 18 years old. And my aunt's husband, his sister came to visit us. And during that visit, she also brought her husband's teenage son with her. And um, during that weekend, there was just, you know, it's like I don't have the emotional capacity um, of an older person. I don't, um, I, I'm not there yet. I'm 11. I have the emotional capacity and makeup of an 11-year-old little girl who has been experiencing emotional hurt for a lot of years. And so there's this longing and this looking for loving and um, just acceptance and validation. And so um, during this weekend, um, my aunt thought that he and I, this, that this, me and this boy had had sex. And when a visit, we went to a visitation to visit my grandmother and during this particular time, there was an accusation, and she shared it with my grandmother. And I cannot tell you the amount of shame that was poured on my life in that moment. And um, when that happened, I just want you to know there was so much insecurity and the shame and just the dirtiness of what that brought into my life. And so you're talking about now I'm 11, 12 years old. I can tell you um, as a little kid, I stole my first candy bar when I was about four years old from the IGA store over on Fortner. And um, so I'm, I'm not doing real great here. I'm just letting y'all know I'm not doing real well. And at 12 years old, when my grandmother got out of prison, we moved to Birmingham. And when we moved to Birmingham, um, I grew up kind of in the area over where Mark uh, grew up over on east side of Birmingham. And um, I thought that was kind of neat when they came here. I was like, oh, I know where the homeland is from. It's like, that's where I grew up. So, but we moved there, and there was a family that used to drive by our house, and they would go to church every Sunday morning. And so they asked me, would you like to go to church with us? And I was like, why, yes, I would. I think I would like to go. And um, uh, because at a younger age, somewhere in there, I had gone to like a VBS at Ridgecrest. I'm thankful for the local churches in our city that have planted seeds of life. I learned in Vacation Bible School 
that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I learned that Jesus loves the little children of the world, red, yellow, black, and white. He loved all of us. And so because that eternal seed from an uncorruptible God had been planted in me, there was something of me that wanted more. And so I went to church with my friend, and at 12 years old, I had my first encounter with the love and the forgiveness of God. And it was a born-again experience. It was someone who loved me unconditionally, and I felt it. It was a presence of his goodness and his love in my life. And so I did not come from a Christian family. I didn't grow up in that. I grew up from a lineage of my granddaddy was a bootlegger. You know, that was back during prohibition of like hauling liquor, you know, and moonshine. Um, I had already at 11 done, uh, smoked weed with my mom and my aunt. And so this love of God became real. It wasn't someone that somebody was telling me about. I experienced it for myself, and it was real, and it was good. And I love how God said when he made us, it was very good. And me being touched by the love of God was very good. And um, so kind of went through my teenage years, didn't grow up in a, um, in a Christian family. I grew up in a moral family. That morality was that we never compared ourselves to someone better than us. We compare ourselves to people who are worse than us because it makes us look good. It makes us look better. But we were jacked up in all kinds of ways, y'all. I'm just telling you. Um, so through my years of, like through teenage years, I would visit my friend's house. Um, she and her mom and uh, her parents were pastors, and they were they loved Jesus. And can I tell you, I loved being in their home because it was a different atmosphere. It felt different. It felt peaceful. It felt calming. Not that it was perfect because sometimes her mom and dad would be kind of going at it a little bit. But the atmosphere felt different. And it bore witness with the Spirit of God that was inside of me. So I don't have any root taking place at this point or anything. Um, and uh, so just kind of didn't grow. It was just, it was a seed that was planted. And at about 17, I became involved um, through just, uh, just lack and void and fatherlessness in my own life and just the love that I needed. I had felt and experienced the love of God, but I didn't have that around me to build that. And so I'm still trying to find where, how do I get that in my life? And so I was involved at 17. I was involved through just drugs and exploiting and trafficking of drugs, you know, um, that I was involved with a man who was twice my age. And again, that feeling of shame came again to try and take root. And um, at 19, Dave and I got married, but a little bit before that, we would say, neither one of us were in church. We weren't going to church. We kind of had like some like this in and out a little bit. And um, we said, when we get married, we want to go to church because there was something that was inside of us that it's like, this is a part of who we're supposed to be. It's how God's made us and created us for that connection to him. 
And so um, at 19, we got married. We went overseas, and within our first year of marriage, we got, um, within first year, it was one month short of our one-year anniversary, we both committed our lives to follow Jesus. And I want to tell you that we have been married 36 and a half years, and if it were not for Jesus, he and I would not be standing in this place together today. You have two very strong people who want their own way. And um, so, uh, so, but it's the love of God that changed us for one another. But we began to build a new foundation into our life that we had never seen. His mom and dad were still married, but they fought all the time. And so it wasn't a peaceful home. So um, struggled with shame uh, throughout my life, you guys, and um, there was an evening, and um, just after different times and different seasons in my life, there was a moment in my life where I literally was in my room crying out to the Lord. I had been doing a Bible study called Breaking Free, and I just felt like in that moment, because at that point in my life, I was struggling with us trying to get pregnant, so now there's the shame of the curse of barrenness because I haven't gotten pregnant. And it wasn't from a lack of trying, you know. It's like we were wanting to get pregnant, so, um, but it just didn't happen. But can I tell you, in that moment, the love of God came into that room and shame was stripped. I'm just telling you, it was broken off of my life in that moment. I had done all kinds of stuff and I had done some counseling and therapy and things. I mean, so, I mean, it's like, I'm not opposed to that. I'm all for it. It's like, get some work, get some help, do what you need to do. And I might do some more later on in my life, you know. I'm pretty sure I'll need some. But what I love is that in a moment, the love of God broke that off of my life. What I've learned is that the Holy Spirit is the most territorial spirit on the face of the planet and in a good way. It's because he wants what Jesus has paid for. And the Bible says that the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He wants you to be free in every area of your life. Love empowers forgiveness. Ephesians 1.4 says this. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, it was God personally present, not just out there, personally present in Christ Reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. Long before we needed to be forgiven or to forgive others, there was an eternal truth being established in love for you and I. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. 
It says, he was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. And surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. My heart for you today is that you would see him accurately and who he is for you. I said last week or the week before how, you know, at Christmas we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. But at Easter, we celebrate the risen Christ and who he is for us now in this life. It goes on to say this in verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. There is a promise of wholeness for us. In Luke 4 and 18, Jesus said, I have been sent to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus is the source of forgiveness. Acts 5.31 says this, and I love this um, scripture. It's 5 and 31. It says, God exalted him to his right hand to be prince and leader and Savior, and Deliverer, and Preserver, in order to grant repentance to Israel, and to you and me, and to bestow forgiveness, and release from sins and brokenness. He bestowed, and I like looking up words, so I'm like, what does bestow mean? I kind of think I know what it means, but bestow means present as a gift to lavish. Can I tell you that this morning, Forgiveness has been lavished on our lives, into our lives, so that we can lavish forgiveness into the lives of others. What I've learned in my own life is that unforgiveness robs me of peace. This quote from Dr. Henry Cloud says that the Bible is clear about two principles. We always need to forgive always need to forgive. But, number two, we don't always achieve reconciliation, but we always need to forgive. Forgiveness is something that we do in our hearts. We release someone from a debt that they owe us. We write off the person's debt, and they no longer owe us. We no longer condemn them. They are clean. Does that sound like something that's been done for you and for me? Only one party is needed for forgiveness, me. The person who owes me a debt does not have to ask my forgiveness. It is a work of grace in my own heart. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper and resentment, anger, animosity and quarreling, Brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, 
or baseness of any kind. And I love that he goes on to say this. I don't know about y'all, but I've been that before, you know, and I'm probably might, it might happen again, you know, but that, I've had that before. And it says, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another. And here's the linchpin, readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. For those of you that have experienced emotional hurt or trauma, um, I just want to tell you, you never forget it. You never forget emotional hurt or trauma. I know when those things happen in my life. My brain hasn't forgotten them. I know they're there. And when they happen, if the space in my heart and in my being, this trauma comes in and you don't forget it. So people who say, oh, you just need to move on. You need to just forget about it. You don't just move on and forget about it. You can't forget it. But I love listening to Dr. Caroline Leaf. I love listening to how the brain can be retrained, how the neuroplasticity in our minds and our brains has the capacity to rewire and how um, decades of science is actually lining up with Scripture. I think it's powerful. So I never forget trauma what does happen is that I have the ability and I have the capacity to increase space around the trauma. And that happens through whether it be therapy or counseling or friends coming alongside and praying for you, being in community and people walk through life together with you, that capacity is increasing. And then in my own life, I've seen that that capacity of healing happens through the presence of the Lord and him speaking over my life and healing. The Bible says that David quieted himself before the Lord, and he says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. So you and I have these opportunities for the presence of the Lord to transform us and to create space around the traumas and the emotional hurts of our lives. They're a part of the story. They come with us, but they don't have to stay in this tight little space and consume everything. There's the ability for healing around it. That is the power of God. And count, um, one of the things that I've learned, and we say it often here, is that I can't afford to let one thought be in my head that Jesus does not have about me. And as we think about the emotional hurt and the things that have happened in our lives and the people that are around us and loving people the way that Jesus loved them, but also the way he loves and forgives me, I can't afford, and this is my own, I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about others that Jesus does not have. It's beyond just me. It's for the others. It's for the one another's. It says this in Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God wins victory after victory, and he is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you, and he will refresh your life with his love. Psalms 23 says, he will lead me beside still waters. 
He will restore my life. He will. Not that he might. He's kind of able. It says he will restore my life. And um, I know for me, um, I love this quote from Sean Bolt. God is at work. Layer upon layer of every part of the fabric of our lives to restore us to what he dreamed. In Jesus, there was the redemption of every part of the story of your life. And it will carry through until the end of your life and into eternity because there was an eternal covenant that was lavished on you and I before the foundation of the world. So this morning... As we get ready, we're going to play a song. Isaiah 53 says this. It says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. What area of life do you need peace in this morning? What and who do you need to forgive? Because remember, forgiveness only requires one, me. I don't have to wait for somebody else to apologize for me or to me for me to have forgiveness in my heart because that is what brings peace to my mind and my soul and my spirit. So we're just gonna take a minute and we're gonna listen to this song. What would it look like? I want you to just kind of sit in this moment. There's a history that God has written in your life. There's a history that he has been a part of your life for the whole time that you've been here. And what I want you to think about, what do you need to forgive? What emotional hurt needs to be forgiven? Who do you need to forgive from any of this? And as they play this, I just, we're just going to close our eyes. It's going to take a few minutes because I want the Spirit of the Lord to really minister so that today we walk out of here without some baggage that we've been carrying, some of us maybe for a lifetime, and walk away in peace and in the peace that God has paid for us. Jeremy, if y'all will.
You and I. 
this morning as we get ready to close. I'm going to have everybody stand. And I want us to remember this, that forgiveness bestows and lavishes forgiveness. Remember the history of forgiveness in your life and the forgiveness of Jesus in the lives of others. I have something that I'd like for us to just kind of make a declaration this morning. And if you're a man, you're going to say son. If you're a woman, you're going to say daughter. There's no confusion, okay? (laughs) So we love people in confusion, but there's an identity that the Father has over their lives. So this morning, I am a much-loved daughter or son of the Most High God. I am His beloved. I am fully loved and accepted. I am completely forgiven and wholly clean. I am designed from intent and for purpose. I am qualified to share an inheritance with Jesus and proclaim his glorious gospel of freedom to every captive. I am courageous, powerful, and anointed. I am free. God bless you. If you are watching online and you'd like to have prayer this morning, you can contact us through our website. Someone from our ministry team will be in touch with you. And we would love to pray with you and encourage you. If you're in this house and you'd like to have prayer, our ministry team will be up at the front. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you, and just let you know that there is history of the love of God in your life to you and for you and through you. Amen.